Hi, my name is Logan Kelm, and I'm a hunting shop manager at Eden Prairie Shields, and you're listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Depending on where you're tuning in, you may still be focused on ice fishing, or maybe you don't even have ice, but we're going to be talking open water fishing today, and specifically electronics. Today, we have Shields expert Logan Kelm from the Eden Prairie Store, who's an avid muskie fisherman, and like me in North Dakota, is still surrounded by ice, but has busting out the long rods on the brain. Logan, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got obsessed with muskie fishing? Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, you know, I was born in, um, from a small town in Mount Vernon, Iowa, um, kind of by Cedar Rapids. And um, I was born into a family of fishermen. So uh, my grandpa has always been a big fisherman. Uh, my dad um, was actually a shop manager at the, a fishing shop manager at the Eau Claire Shields. And, um, you know, it's kind of cool how, um, you know, it's, of course, that's passed down to me, right? Being, um, fishing's in my blood, you know? Um, so yeah, I, um, worked at the Cedar Falls Shields for a while. Um, and then while I graduated from UNI and then, um, I found my way up here, um, as a hunting shop manager. So, um, pretty neat. Um, I have a, I've been married with my wife recently and um, we've been together for eight years since high school, so that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know how anyone can put up with me that long, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, a lo- I think a lot of us outdoorsmen feel the same way, like just have hunting and fishing on the brain and just want to get out all the time. It's like, thank you, honey, for putting up with me. I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> I'm at 3.30 in the morning making all sorts of racket, you know. <laughs> Oh, love it. So cool. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about how you got so into muskie fishing. Oh, so I had one of my, when I was working at Cedar Falls, I was actually a meat cutter for a while. And I met a, my still very good friend, um, Connor Sorensen, and, um, he got me hooked on, he goes, Logan, you know, um, these bass are pretty cool that you catch, but I, I, let's go try a muskie. He showed me a few pictures and I was like, sure. Yeah, let's try it. Um, I'm game. And, um, of course I caught one on my first, first time. And um, since I was sitting there holding the fish, um, looking into the camera, I mean, it was it was over. Um, it was it was such a cool experience to to see a fish that big, and it wasn't even that big. You know, it was thirty four inches. But me being a bass fisherman, especially from Iowa, I've never seen anything that big. And um, it was just so cool to hold it and uh, and have everything come together, um, and then to watch it go back. I mean, it was. I, I was hooked then, first time out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and here yeah. We are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's a kind of a case of beginner's luck there. You know, like some people fish for like five, ten trips before they even catch their first muskie or, you know, like get some follows and stuff. But I know I, I used to muskie fish with my uncle Bob back in the day, like when I was, you know, early high school. And, and there was this little just really little lake that they ended up stock. And actually it's kind of by your Eden Prairie area. I haven't been there in 10, 15 years, 
but um, there was a lot of muskie in there, and there were some nice ones. So you have like a really high percentage, and yeah. man, they they loved black and yellow bucktails. And <laughs> I did, I remember like casting out there, and I bet I bet it was only like maybe my twentieth or thirtieth cast. I saw the, my first follow, and I, it was unreal like you can hardly explain it just the amount of adrenaline that like immediately rushes into your system when you see a fish that big like coming after your bait getting ready to attack it like i i don't know i almost dropped my rod i was so scared i was like what the heck is this thing man it's uh it's so fun Mm -hmm. you know and that's probably my favorite part about muskie fishing is is watching them do that because that figure eight muskie or those follows are unique only to muskies and it's so cool to watch them hunt and to watch them do what they do because you you can see it's such a visual a visual thing believe it or not even though you don't see them that often it's so cool just to watch your rod go around and you know see them back there even if they don't bite it just watching them it, that's probably one of my favorite parts about muskie fishing Mm-hmm. Bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I do want to pump the brakes a little bit on the muskie. We're going to return to it later, but, uh, I'd like to get some electronics talking, you know, a lot of people yeah. are getting, you know, getting ready for the season, getting their boats ready and whatnot. So, uh, you know, just first of all, what, what kind of electronics do you run in your boat? Can you just walk us kind of through your whole setup? Yeah. So um, I'll start with the boat and then I'll get into electronics here in a second. Um, I have an old um, 18 foot Tuffy. Um, and the reason I am um, with, I have a nine inch Garmin on there on, on, on the steering wheel. And then I have a seven inch Garmin on, on at the bow. Um, both of them will have GPS and, and some sort of either side imaging um, sonar to it that I can look between both, both units while I'm fishing. Um, I've really found um, since my boat had a lot of old electronics on it in the beginning, um, I've really seen where we've been and then now where you can go with new electronics and how that can kept, help you catch more fish. Um, it's so important to have, you know, a big screen that you can pick up things on side imaging and a GPS at the front of the boat. So if you're fishing in you know, a rock pile or something, you can actually look at your GPS down at your, at your feet and make sure you're at the right spot. Um, it's, it's so important to just make more efficient use out of your time and of your casts. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense there. And, you know, I think a lot of people have that same evolution too, you know, like you get yourself a boat, like a lot of people don't just jump right into an $80,000 boat with all the best electronics. You know, you start out with something that just has down imaging and then, you know, you save up some money and you move to side imaging, save up a little more, look into forward looking imaging. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane the advancements of electronics these days. And I guess that, that kind of brings me to my next question. Do you, do you use forward sonar like the, you like your live scope or your active target or your hummingbird mega live? You know, um, for ice fishing, it's, it, it's a must. Um, but I don't use it a whole lot for musky fishing. Um, really. I haven't hard, I've had a hard time figuring out an application where I can cast for muskies. Um, just because, um, you know, you're, you're, that, that, that live scope's looking at a certain direction where, um, you know, it's, and the musky could come from anywhere. So um, it's a lot more important if you're jigging or if you're walleye fishing, um, that live sonar makes a huge, or bass fishing too, it makes a huge difference because you can focus on one smaller area. Um, but um, as far as like a musky goes, they live kind of anywhere. So um, I rely a lot on my side imaging and um, old waypoints, um, believe it or not, is uh, muskies are very much a homebody. Um, they typically don't go far from where you saw them last time or last year. Really, it, it's kind of weird um, 
And, um, you know, a, a good spot's kind of always a, a good spot in, in a sense. Um, so really, you know, it's just making sure as you're fishing and you're moving fish and you're using your side imaging to find pockets in the weeds and stuff like that, um, that you mark those and you come back to them. Because more than likely, even though there's not a fish there now, um, there probably is one not too far away um, if, if it looks good. So that's, you know, um, that's kind of how I use my electronics really um, to help me catch more fish is um, just documenting everything I find, whether it is on a live scope or on a side imaging or whatever, but you have to make sure you remember where it's at, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's where, that's where that GPS mapping comes in so handy. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned side imaging is like kind of one of your main tools. What are some, what are some tips you have for people at side imaging? Cause I know there's, there's a lot out there that like, okay, I understand down imaging. I understand GPS, how to find a rock point or how to find, you know, like an inside turn or something like that. How do I go from knowing where I'm at to understanding what's below me using side imaging? Yeah. So, and I, I get this a lot when we're helping customers with electronics. And the big thing is I'll go to a spot, you know, right? Um, like, like a shoreline where you can kind of visually see what the structure is. I'm assuming it's deep enough and everything, but how I learned it the fastest was um, I literally just idled by the shore. And you know, when I found a fishing jetty, I drove by and see what I could see. And then um, I kind of just stopped and took it all in. Um, when I first got that first side imaging Garmin, um, I, um, I just went out on like a Tuesday morning before I went to work and um, I just learned the thing. I didn't, I had one rod with me. I wasn't really expecting to do much fishing. Um, I just kind of took it all in as I, you know, just really paid attention to it, um, played with some settings. Like that was my time to figure out my electronics as before season was out, you know, um, that's just so important just to get on the water experience because you can watch, you know, a hundred YouTube videos, but until you're there playing with it and pushing the buttons yourself and learning, um, you know, by pushing buttons, it's that, that that's my best suggestion to anybody. Okay. Yeah. I guess I, I kind of have a similar story on how like I started getting good with side imaging and the way, the way I went about it was, so a lake I usually like to fish, it's got a pretty good drop off. Like, I mean, maybe 500 yards or so offshore, like it, it'll go flat real, it'll go real slow. It'll go from like two to three to four to five to six. And then it drops down to like 25. So it's like, yeah, it's like a pretty clearly defined drop off. So it's like, okay, I'm going to use my GPS to get as close, like pretty close to that drop off and then look at the side imaging. And you can see like on my left side, it's pretty flat. And then on my right side, like, okay, halfway through the screen there, I see that drop off. And I did this night fishing too, because like, then you don't have like the sun and the glare and all that to worry about as much. So then you can see your screen like super good that way. And then, you know, like one of the hardest things I had, I dealt with when learning with side imaging was like determining what was a fish and what wasn't. So yeah. it's like, okay, is that little speck actually a fish or is it like rock or what's going on? And uh, yeah, when you can, when you have like a, a major depth change or a structure change, and then you can see all that stuff, it's like, okay, that's what that's supposed to look like. 
Exactly. One's kind of nice thing too with being a musky fisherman is um, usually those muskies are pretty easy to see on the side imaging um, as long as they're big. Yeah. Um, that's where you know um, you can really you know, mark a waypoint there and really um, know that there's actually a fish you're casting at um, because even with like um, you know with walleye fishing or, or bass sometimes they're not big enough to really register very clearly on the side imaging and it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is though is when you're ever in doubt um, make a cast at it. It's not going to hurt anything, right? If you think there's fish there and the spot's already looking good, drop a line down, you know, <laughs> what's yep. going to hurt? Absolutely. You know, another good way to learn the, learn the whole side scan thing is get yourself to like the rainy river once, you know, once that's open up and you can go fishing. Cause then like when you're going and you're using side scan, you're going to, you're going to see some sturgeon down there and like, yeah. you're, you're going to know that's a fish. Cause that's a pretty dang big blob down there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that just gives you, that just gives you an excuse to get up to the rainy river too. You know, it's like, I just, I, I got this new, I got this new hummingbird with side imaging. I need to learn it. You know, it's a, I listen to this podcast. It's the best way. It's the best way to learn. <laughs> oh, and rivers are helpful too because you can really see you know, little holes and pockets and stuff. And um, that's kind of where I grew up. I was fishing the river, and um, it's just so key to be able to see left and right too. Because you can see one hazard, so you don't run into it on the way back, and you know stuff like that. It's it's really cool to use just to learn about the about the body of water you're on. You know, mm-hmm, absolutely. Just the more information you can gather, the the better and more effective of a fisherman you're going to be pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about like your, your preseason preparation. Like what sort of checklist do you have for getting, you know, not so much your boat, but like your electronics ready for the season. Is there stuff you look at on a, on a yearly basis or bi-yearly or what's going on there? Oh, absolutely. So, um, especially too, since, um, one thing that I found helpful is um, I use my, my, my Garmin for ice fishing, right? And so um, it's currently sitting on, you know, um, a little homemade box I made and all that. And it's in my, in my, in my clam as we speak. Um, so it's important that as you're getting ready to put it on the boat, um, you need to keep your electronics updated, especially when you're going between ice mode and open water mode. Um, sometimes, at least as far as even customer feedback, sometimes, you know, that's not an easy just click up a button. Um, sometimes they need an update for it. And every major manufacturer, Lawrence, Garmin, Humminbird, um, and there's a few out there I didn't name, but um, they all will update. You can update them and keep them updated. So different than your phone where um, you're running the newest software and any little bug fixes that come up can be fixed. Um, a lot of times, a lot of issues people have with their, you know, whether it's their GPS or, you know, imaging clarity or something like that can be fixed with an update. So um, I keep those suckers up to date as often as I can. Um, I check, you know, once a month to see if there's one out there. Um, cause it, it gives me a reason to clean out the boat, you know, my phone and Garmin pair together. It does its thing for five minutes and it's done, you know, so it's, um, usually worth it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. But, um, other than that, um, with the electronics is, um, I pay attention on, um, this is more, um, uh, of an upkeep thing, but if you haven't been looking at it, um, you need to look at you know, occasionally look at your wire, you know, is your, did your transducer get bent up? Did you hit it on your trailer or something? Or, you know, the docks are out um, in the fall and in the spring. So, you know, did you bump it on anything? Is something damaged? Because it sucks when it's opening, opening day and something's not right. 
Um, and that just kills a trip. It kills a timeout, you know, so you have to get all that ready in advance, but, you know, make sure your, your, your batteries are charged because all of these electronics take a lot of juice and, you know, it's, everything's, there's so much more wiring nowadays than on older boats. So keeping everything just up to speed, charge your batteries throughout the winter time is important. Um, I charge mine once a month, um, just to keep everything going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Good to hear. So let's uh, let's go back into that musky stuff. You you've definitely piqued my interest. So um, what okay. uh, what do you use for reels and rods? And like, is there is it a necessity to have a specific setup, or is there stuff that can be fairly versatile for you? Um. Yes and no. Um. You need to have quality gear for muskies. Um. The baits are so big that they put a lot of strain on a reel, um, especially. Reels are so important to musky fishing, and they're not cheap, and they never will be. Um, my Shimano Tranks was every bit of $300, and I have two two of those and a couple Dialas. Um, but it pays off because those baits put such a strain on your gear that you need a high-end reel to bring them in time, cast after cast. You know, muskies are known as a fish of 10,000 casts and $10,000, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, so 10,000 casts is a lot for, you know, some older, you know, catfishing reel you pulled out of the garage, you know, so that's super important. And the other thing is you need to have a good rod. Um, my friend Connor got me on this thing where you need to buy quality gear because you get one chance, one or two chances a day at a muskie. That's what I found out is um, about every time you go out, you get, you get to either see one or see evidence of one, but that's it. So you don't want your gear to be the reason you don't put that fish in the net. Um, it's, I, I know it's, it's expensive, but it, you, you, you need it for musky fishing. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. You know, with that fish of 10,000 casts, like what's your mentality when you head out to the water and like, how do you keep your focus and patience when you're out there? You know, it, it muskies are the worst fish on the planet to fish for. Um, because like I said, you get one or two chances a day at seeing one, not even catching it. Um, so it's kind of contradicting, but you need to have this mentality that you're fishing for a very difficult fish to fish for. Um, now you can get lucky, right? Got one on my first time going out and I didn't know what I was doing, but, um, I went a whole year after that without putting one in the net. Um, I, I made about every mistake in the book of, you know, screwing up on a figure eight and not getting a hard enough hook set or setting the hook to the side because, um, but that, um, it's, um, I lost my train of thought here. It's just, it's so important to be just paying attention and to stay focused, but also know that, um, you're, you're fishing for one of the hardest fish to, to fish for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like just rewarding when it actually happens. You know, when you're, when you're explaining that, uh, like bow hunting comes to mind a lot. Like if you're a bow hunter and you practice, you know, patience and, and then you, you have somewhat of an interest in fishing, then, you know, muskie's probably going to be right up your alley because, you know, like you'll sit in a bow stand for days and months and, and not do anything besides look at the scenery and, and, you know, yeah. take your gear for a hike. And then all of a sudden it's like, you have that one moment and then you have to make that one shot, you know, you have to have the right gear and you have to be mentally prepared. But when it all comes together, it's just one of the best feelings. 
you know, I can relate to a lot of bow hunters in that aspect where, you know, it's, you, you hit it exactly right. You know, it's this, this special thing that, um, you know, it's so cool because they don't come around often and everyone knows that, you know, same thing, you know, like that you know, big buck that walks through that, you know, it's, those don't come around every day. You know, it's so cool um, to see, actually connect, you know, the planets align and everything kind of comes together, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty cool. For sure. So talk to me a little bit about like locations and where you like to target muskie. So that's where we get back to where the side scan comes in at. But um, it's, it's funny because um, I have a story where um, my friend Connor and I were, um, we were fishing on um, uh, Lake McBride in Iowa and um, which nearby where I'm from. And um we were fishing all morning, hadn't seen a fish, you know, high bluebird skies, nothing was going on. And I was like, man, this spot sucks. Let's leave. Um, we haven't moved to fish here. We're going to go try a different spot of the lake. And he was just like, no, you know, don't get too crazy. You know, let's, we're going to fish this spot thoroughly. And next cast, um, I was reeling in my crankbait and I was like, oh, yeah, look, at, there's a little one down there following my, my lure. And then it moved. <laughs> and it became so much bigger and he was just like oh no it's not it's it's huge you know do your figure eight and um so now i do my figure eight and it eats on the first corner of the eight it's one of the coolest strikes i've ever seen and um where i'm getting at is um that was my one of my biggest fish at the time of 45 inches um which isn't huge by all means but it was so special to me um to get something actually of some size and it's so important to fish the spots you want to fish thoroughly and to find weed lines and to use your, your user imaging, whatever you have to find structure. Because muskies typically aren't far from it. They don't go far from where their groceries are. Um, so if you catch crappies there in, in the springtime, well, more than likely there's going to be a muskie around there all year round because they don't, you know, they don't go far from where their food is. Mm-hmm, makes sense. What sort of depths do you like to target? Time of year um, will impact that a lot. Um, in the springtime, um, I'm from Iowa, and there's not really a season for muskies there. So we'll go fish them in April, and we're fishing, you know, two feet of water, you know, up in the warmest water we can find. But typically in Minnesota, um, you know, in June, where, you know, spawn's over, um, for hopefully, and, um, you know, they start to work out to their weed lines. But generally speaking, my boat's in 12 to 14 feet of water casting at a weed line. Um Green weeds are a must. Um, that's like, you know, musky gold. If you can find some big, green, luscious cabbage um, and there's some bait fish around, there is a musky there. Um, you know, so you want to find the weeds, but you want to be out front because a lot of times, you know, if they're big, right? Um, they will patrol that kind of that weed edge. Hungry ones will. The lazy ones that are, you know, will sit in the weeds and just sunbathe. Um, I poked one with my rod before. He was just sitting there in the cabin <laughs> poking it. And, um, you know, it's, they're not scared of anything, but well, yeah, when you get that big, you know, you're on the top of the food chain. (laughs) Yeah. That's why they're not scared of boats or anything. You know I mean? Though I've had one that hit underneath my boat, um, one time, um, and literally just used it for cover. And then when I came around my figure eight, like two casts later, it showed itself, um, didn't eat sadly, but it's just weird how they do that. Mm-hmm. But um, green cabbage and anywhere between 12 to 14 feet of water and casting into the in, into the weeds, but your boat's on far off from the drop off. That's where that side imaging comes in at. Okay. Yep. That makes some sense. Do you spend time like being on the edge of the weeds and like casting parallel to it? Or do you usually sit out and cast in? Try it all. 
um, you know, especially with me being around uh, Metro muskies, um, they see a lot of baits. <laughs> um, every single, every muskie has seen every muskie bait out there, I feel like sometimes. So, you know, a lot of times if you see, um, you know, with muskies, you never have to be a first person to the spot. Um, you know, I've been, um, you know, cut off in some people in some high dollar boats and I'm catching the fish behind them because if they're sitting there casting out in the deep into the weeds, I'll flip around. So I'll be in the weeds, you know, get my trolling motor all gunked up with weeds casting at the weed edge. Um, just give them something different, you know, 10 guys before you through that weed bed have probably fished it the exact same way. So if you can do something different, like you said, casting parallel or flip-flopping it where you're casting out at the deep from the weed line can make the difference, you know, to making that, 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 that big one, to, you know, take a look at your bait. So um, change it up, you know, don't do one thing over and over again. Um, if, you know, you're not moving fish, try something new. Um, it's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. And that kind of comes into play with what you were saying before is like making sure you're covering your spot that, that you're at, you know, it's like, okay, you've thrown 30 casts in this area, but like have all 30 of your casts been the same style, just in a slightly different direction, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And now you have me ready to pick up a long rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, you need anywhere between, I don't think I ever mentioned this, but you need, um, you know, anywhere between like an eight and a nine foot rod for muskies. Um, well, I don't think we talked about it earlier, but it's important for figure eights to have a really long rod, especially if you're new. Um, figure eights is where most of my fish come in at. And so having a nice, long, stiff rod really helps um, do a better figure eight. And when that, you know, the 30 pounder eats, at your feet um it's stronger than you are <laughs> so yeah. you need a rod to hold on to it you know for the three footer that's there it's not as big of a deal but with a nice big quality rod and the big one that one chance you get you know you need to be able to hold on to it and you know, go around the boat with it um because it's not going to come in right away usually <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely so talk to me a little bit about your figure eight so do you uh do you switch up your speed do you do you keep your bait the same depth do you go up and down in certain spots well what is that all about all the above what you said is the key to turning a following muskie into a biting muskie so typically with a figure eight um, usually I do some sort of action near the boat, something to, 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 to show itself, to make it commit. Right. Um, but on the figure eight, um, you typically, you know, on, you do low and, um, slow and high on the corners of the eight. And then as you go down into the straight part, you do a down and fast. And why you do that, it's the idea to fire the fish up, to chase it on, on the straight part of the eight. But then as you turn, you go high and slow it down. And that's where that fish comes up and eats your bait. If, if, if you can, in a perfect world, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they'll eat it whenever they're, whenever they're ready, you know, but if, if you can have it eat it in the corner, um, it's, it's so much easier to hook the fish, um, to direct it and to make it actually get good hooks in it when you can slow that down really high in the figure eight and let it come up and grab it. So, um, but changing speeds is so important because it, it, it's a triggering thing to make the fish bite right then and there to make it commit. Okay. Yep. That makes a lot of sense, especially with like when you're thinking about your hook set too. Cause like if, if that fish is biting and you're just like starting to accelerate in the middle of your figure eight, like you only have so much real estate with your arms to get a good hook set. But if like, I lost if, one of my biggest muskies to date doing exactly what you said, yeah. um, 
too fast in the eight and uh, mid eight it right in the mid eight the lure but i couldn't set the hook that well so it's important to really try and get it to talk it into it in the, in the corner mm-hmm. yeah but if like if you have the rod extended all the way and you're on the top like you have you have like your whole body to just kind of lean into give it, it and, and give it the business there you go i like that give it the business I usually say give it the biscuit, but you know, it's, a, it's the same difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Must be a North Dakota thing. Yeah, it could be, you know, I am from Minnesota though. So maybe okay. it just, maybe it just kind of grew on me lately. <laughs> maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about, um, you know, when you actually catch that fish, what are some sort of things you need to be aware of or, or like conservation practices? So this is such an important thing about musky fishing. If you talk to any musky angler, um, they should say at some point how important catch and release is, right? Um, so you need a big in the way all the time net. Um, I love my fray bill. That thing's been amazing. I've got a lot of big muskies in it. Um, it's, um, but a, a big, a lot of times with muskies is to preserve the fish and to, um, when you hook it, you know, it's, it's, it's giving it all it's got. I mean, yeah, it's not happy. It's hooked. So when you put that fish in the bag, um, in the net, um, it's important to let it sit there for a second, just chill out. You can chill out. That's when I get my phone out. All my tools come out. Um, I always, always, always have with me hook cutters. Um, just essentially a bolt cutter, essentially a long pair of pliers. Um, if you get a big one and it eats it, you don't want to reach into that mouth. No, <laughs> you will absolutely get, not. Blood <laughs> will be drawn. Um, that's why you always have your first aid kit stocked. But um, I have long pair of pliers ready to go, hook cutters, and um, some draw spreaders at the ready. And I get all of that out ready to roll. I get the bump board out to measure it. Um, you need to get the bump board wet to preserve their slime because um, their slime is like their skin, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get that fish let it hang out. You get all the hooks out of it in the net. Um, you should have a musky out of the water about as long as you can hold your breath is a really good um, idea to have with it. So if bait comes out in the net, um, you get everything ready before that fish leaves the water. Um, and then, you know, you pick it up and it's just, man, it's the coolest feeling ever when you pick that up and you hold it up to the camera and you give it just the biggest grin, not because you want to, because it's just, it's just there. And then you, you measure it, and your hand never comes out from inside the muskie's mouth, um, underneath by it, underneath its jaw, by its kind of by its gills. Um, it never leaves. And so when you put that fish on, you measure it quick, you get a measurement, maybe get another picture, and then it goes right back in the water. Um, usually, it's about a minute. Is all is is all you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's just so important to have all of that ready before that fish leaves the water. Um, cause sometimes they're not very happy to be out of the water and they squirm and everything. And the last thing you want to do is have, you know, a pile of baits out or, um, you know, something that can just go wrong. It's important to have all of it put away and ready to go. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense there. You know, like it takes a while for a fish like that to get that big. So, you know, be respectful, get her back in the water and, you know, hopefully you can fight it another day once it grows another foot. <laughs> they usually don't go far from, from, where, from where you found it at. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So, okay. I'd like to close this thing out with your favorite musky story. What do you got for us? Um, I got, I got two. Um, so we were, um, first, Hikes out um, in Iowa, 
And um, it was right when COVID was starting and there was just all this kind of hoopla, but my buddy Connor and I finally found this place where we can just go relax, right? And we went out and did some musky fishing at Pleasant Creek and there's a, a campground there. And it snowed. I had a, I had a, I had a you know, a half inch to an inch of snow in the boat. It was caked in it. And uh, we look out just along the ridge line, and there's a camper out there. And we're just like, who is camping? It's a snowstorm in March. It's cold. Like, why are you here? It's just crazy on what all you see while you're musky. We actually caught two muskies that day, too. But um, that's a really funny one. And then uh, my dad and I were fishing on a river here, and um, we took the wrong way. And, um, of course, fishing a river, especially for muskies, I always have my waders on. And um, he didn't have his. So um, we went down the wrong channel of the river. And I had to get out and push his alumacraft through, like, six inches of water and vlogs. And, oh, my gosh, it was just like the predicaments you get into when you're fishing. <laughs> oh, it was we had to go underneath this down tree and we had to take all his boat seats out. So we'd go under it. And, uh Oh, and that day I caught my biggest muskie. So it's it's crazy on how um, crazy a fishing trip can be and what memories you get while you're fishing, while, while you go fishing. You know, that's something I won't ever forget. Oh, absolutely. You just never know what you're going to run into when you head to a lake. It could be, you know, the easiest day and you catch a bunch of fish or it could be, you know, all... <laughs> Anything can happen when you're on yeah. the water, but it always just creates some really great memories. I love that. You know, it's crazy. It's like usually, uh, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Steve Ranella or something, but you always remember the bad memories, it seems like. You know, if you have bluebird skies and a perfect day of fishing versus like, yeah, that was a day we had three-foot waves and the bilge pump wasn't working. You know, it's those are the things that, that you remember. I don't know why, but it, it's, it's such a true thing how the times when the conditions are terrible is what gets burned in your memory and big muskies get mm -hmm. burned in your memory <laughs> the most. You know, it's weird. Yep, for sure. So, all right, Logan, well, thank you so much for your time and, uh, you know, guidance on electronics and musky fishing and, uh, you know, best of luck when you're out on the water this year. Oh, thank you so much for having me and I'll need all the luck I can get. Um, those darn fish take all my time, money and emotion. It seems like <laughs> Thanks for having me. there you go. Well, hopefully you can, uh, you can show up on one of our trophy Tuesdays here in the near future with that, with that big grin and a nice 50 inch musky. Yeah, I can put one up there. Perfect. <laughs> hope, I get, hope I break it. We're going to get over 50 this year. That's the plan. Um, so 50 or bust. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love it. All right. Thanks again. Yep. Have a nice day, Mike. We'll see ya. You just heard our segment with Eden Prairie Shields expert Logan Kelm on fishing electronics and musky fishing. I know a lot of you people out there are excited about getting the boat ready. And if you need anything for this upcoming open water season, make sure to stop by your local Shields or visit Shields.com to get everything you need. We've got experts at store ready to talk fishing and help you get into your perfect setups. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.